Hey there, guys. This is Chad from Good Fight Ministries. And this special edition of the 511 News Show will be going over my testimony. I want to share with you guys how I came to Christ. And not only that, but at the end of this, I want to show you a way, an opportunity, not only for you to share this testimony with those who may be skeptical, a testimony for those who may not know Christ, but also to be able to use this and the very resource that was given to me that brought me to Christ. We're going to be having on this, and you guys can check it out. I'm so excited for it. And thank you guys so much for joining us on this special edition of the 511 News. You know, truth be told, I grew up in a nominally Christian home. My parents would have told you very clearly that they were Christians as we grew up, but we didn't grow up going to church. I can count on one hand how many times I went to a church growing up, and if I counted on two hands, that was simply because we went to funerals. We didn't really read the scriptures or anything like that, but I did have certain influences in my life that were believers, that were uh, that came to minister to me prior to me actually coming and knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. I had a great-grandmother uh, named Grandma Helen who absolutely loved Jesus all the way through her 103rd birthday, and she is now uh, with Jesus and worshiping him. And I remember she came over and she taught uh, my brother and I how to pray. She sat with us and she explained to us, this is how you pray to the Lord. And I still remember that. And I remember as a young boy saying those prayers with my brother. Uh, when we'd go to bed, it was something that we did ritualistically. It wasn't something where I had a deep understanding of what I was doing, but I did believe that there was a God. I did believe that I was worshiping him. And so over the course of my life, from moving from one town to the other and back, I can just say that I thought that I did know God, even though I wasn't going to church or anything like that. But the truth was, I figured because I was from a Republican household, my household was conservative, then there's no way we don't love Jesus because in my mind at that time and until I actually came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, I just figured if you were a Republican, you happened to be a Christian as well. In the third grade, my parents adopted my oldest brother and my youngest sister. And the reason why they were up for adoption, um, sadly enough, was because my brother was being molested by his own mother and stepfather. And the cops did find out about it, and he was even being used to bring his friends over for them to commit this dirty deed. And sadly enough, my brother had to deal with that. And I praise God that my parents did adopt him, and he's the reason why I ended up wrestling in high school, and I became very close to him. I never thought him of anything else other than a brother. But the problem is when you have sins that have affected you at a young age, the the truth is that hurt people hurt people. And so my brother, not that he ever did anything to me sexually, but he knew about stuff that I didn't know about. You see, my my dad specifically, he was a drinker. Uh, he was more of a beer drinker. Since the time he was little, he started drinking at a very young age. And he himself was a drinker up until the time he stopped after he gave his life to Christ. But... With that said, he was a mechanic at UPS, and during the holiday season, a lot of guys end up giving alcohol as a gift, typically during the Christmas season, a bottle of alcohol. And since my dad didn't drink, he kept that above 
the refrigerator. So when you have that sort of baggage, that's what happens. And my brother realized real quick that that alcohol was up there. And I know that for me, I didn't really know much about it. I, I had taken a few drinks of my dad's beer and my mom's wine cooler growing up, but nothing to the point where I wanted to continue to do that. But my brother did introduce me to hard liquor and chugging, taking shots, whatever it may be. And for me, when I was first starting out trying that out, it was something that we would do when my parents would go off to grab lunch or whatever it is, uh, grab dinner for us as a family. And I didn't even know. I just thought, oh yeah, it makes my my throat burn. That's That's crazy. I didn't think much of it. And over the course of time, when there would be street parties, I would go and drink with people and, and, you know, have some drinks behind the parents' back at the house where all the kids would hang out. And that became a habit. And it all started back when I was a young kid because I have this problem. I specifically had this problem before I was saved of being competitive in everything I did. And alcohol was just going to be one of those things. So when I started drinking, in the third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. And then when I was in junior high and going to high school parties at the time, I wanted to be able to drink more than all the high school kids. And when I was coming up into eighth and ninth grade, I wanted to be drinking more than the college kids. And the truth was, is I was what the Bible describes as a champion of drinking wine. I was this goofball who wanted to not only fit in, but be better than everyone else in everything I did. And now this very big issue of alcohol drunkenness i mean i was completely enamored with it it had taken me over it had been used by i believe satan himself to bring me to devastation now in the same way i do believe that god himself was the one that was knocking on my heart's door to try to go and get me while i was living this wicked life and sadly enough, I would push away those calls. And for most people, this might sound really weird, but I became an atheist at a church. When I was at my lowest, after getting a DUI, a hit and run, I'd crashed my car into a tree, a car, a house, and a mailbox. If that didn't take place, and I just kept getting away with everything, like I always would, I, I just kept getting away with everything. If that didn't take place, I probably would have died. I, 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 there's no doubt in my mind that I would not have continued to live in the fashion that I was going. But that wasn't the moment that it should have been, sadly enough, for me to come to Christ at that time. It was a moment for me to harden my heart towards God. And in that hardening, I began to really get angry. You see, I had devised, I had made up this God that was basically in my own image. I, as I mentioned earlier, I, I grew up in a nominally Christian home. I grew up thinking I was this Republican. I was a good standing Christian and all of that. But at this moment, this God that I had invented, ultimately in the first two commandments, we're not supposed to have any other gods before God and we're not supposed to fashion any God in the image and likeness of man or creepy crawly things on the earth. And I had completely had other gods and I had made a God fashioned in my own image that had my own moral inclinations and the truth was this God that I would pray to when I was in trouble and I wanted to get out of it or when I wanted to win some sports game or get some girl or whatever it may be what happened was that God that I had built it really didn't exist 
It was a figment of my imagination. And so when all these things start going wrong and this God isn't answering my prayers and the things that once were always, I was getting away with everything. I was accomplishing these goals. Now, all of a sudden I'm in my own destruction. I have sowed to my flesh for the entirety of my life. And now I am dealing with the destruction. And sadly enough, one night I remember uh, a friend of mine, we would have people stay the night all the time. And a friend of mine said, Hey, you know, I'm going to go to church tomorrow with my family. Do you want to come? And, you know, I wasn't big into church or anything like that, but I wasn't against it at that moment. And so I said to myself, I said, ah, why not? I'll go to church. And so I went to church with him. And you see at my house, I had a, you know, not fairly large house, but, uh, you know, extra room and a backyard and a living room and a kitchen and all that. And everyone would be hanging out everywhere. But in terms of what we would call the VIP room, a very, you know, original, it was in my room. And that's where I would make sure the guy to girl ratio was obviously more girls than guys and that there was the best alcohol, the best drugs, whatever it may be inside of that room. And I remember specifically that next morning after having a party all night, that next morning going to a church. And at that church, during the worship time, the hands that are raised in worship in front of me, I look all around me and a bunch of the hands that are raised were holding shot glasses next to me the night before. Uh, Multiple girls specifically that I remember, not only my friend and myself as well, they were sitting there in that worship service with the same ones that were in my room the night before doing things that are wicked. And I thought to myself, if I'm here looking for hope, And there's no hope here because these guys are fake. And if they're fake, then how on earth are not the rest of the people here fake? How on earth is not every single person that here doing the exact same thing? And I looked at that crowd. I looked at the people that were at that church and I said, and praise God, it wasn't Blessed Hope Chapel. And I said to myself, if that is what this is, then God is not real. This whole idea, everything that I'd thought up in my own mind. Maybe somebody else has a better answer. At that time, I said to myself while I was in college and going through all of that, and I looked out at that crowd, I said, God's not real. And in fact, the God that you worship, I don't even like. And I went home that day as an atheist. And privately, I began looking at different arguments. I began reading different blogs of different atheists, whether it's Richard Dawkins or Sam Harris or Daniel Dennett or Christopher Hitchens or watching videos on uh, YouTube, which I was just growing accustomed to at the time. And I was going to college at the same time. So now I was getting affirmed all of those things that I was already believing in my heart. It was at that time that I became more and more ardent. And at that time that I became more and more wicked, if I'm being honest, I was getting in more fights. I was trying to start fights for no reason. I was getting involved in different groups and cliques and whatever it may be that was sending me to the most debaucherous nature that I had been involved in. And I remember there was two specific events that took place that really scared me as to where I was. The first one was a friend of mine uh, said, I can get some cheap uh, E, ecstasy, out in Quartz Hill. And if you come out with me, we can head out there and and we can pick up some cheap stuff and we can do the drugs and hang out with some girls and, and hang out and do the drugs together. And so I drove out there with him and we invited a couple girls that were going to come and partake in the same, you know, junk that we were about to get involved in. And when I got there to this flop house is what it's ultimately called. 
We opened the door and I looked and there was a blue tarp around all of the floor and there was a TV there and a bunch of people watching it, but nothing was on it except for static. And these guys were all looking at it. And not only are they all looking at it, but they're all sitting in lawn chairs. There's one disgusting couch, a bunch of lawn chairs, and here I am showing up. My friend goes into the room to buy drugs, and I'm there with the girls sitting out there. And I am looking at these people that are looking at us as if we are cattle, specifically the girls. And I remember it went into my head, if I start using this stuff, am I going to become this? Is this going to be who I become? What on earth have I just walked into? And it was the first time I'd ever been involved in a situation like that. And before my friend came out of the room, I thought, these guys are coming and lurking over here next to these girls, and I'm going to die right here. I'm going to get shot by some guy. I'm going to get stabbed. Something's going to happen because I'm not going to allow them to do this and take advantage of these girls this way. And so I thought, oh no, what have I gotten myself into? And my friend came and we left and I ended up, praise God, I believe by his providence, not being tempted to use that drug that night uh, because I always would get really passionate about anything that I enjoyed. And so praise God, I believe by his providence, he kept me from using after I had seen those kinds of things, seen that's the kind of thing I'm about to get into. And one other thing that happened right before I was finally getting ministered to where someone began sharing the gospel with me, and that was at my own house. You see, they used to do the Electric Daisy Carnival here locally as well as in Las Vegas, but they used to do it in Los Angeles. And a number of my friends had gone to it, and I had a party at my house like every night, and at the end of the night, a bunch of my friends who were at EDC came back to my house. And so when they came to my house, we were listening to music, hanging out and, and, and shooting pool and different things. And they got next to my computer. This is back in the day of LimeWire. So I had a lot of downloaded music. Obviously, that's thievery. But nonetheless, that's just the reality. And I had this giant bass uh, woofer that would, that would play the music, part of the little system connected to my computer. And I remember distinctly them downloading music, taking about 15 minutes or so downloading music, turning it on, and playing music that just sounded like bass, and it was trap music, and I was just like not really into it. But I saw that all my friends were just convening over this subwoofer, and they were just looked like zombies. And I remember it went through my head, this is what you are going to become. This is who you are going to be. And it just sunk in my heart that, wow, I'm going to be a loser. That's that's what I've become. I've, I got a DUI. I'm not wrestling in college like I'm supposed to. Uh, I'm not fighting pro and MMA yet. Like, what are you doing? You're going to be this loser. And it went through my head. And at that time, even though I was still with the throwing parties every weekend, in about of October of 2008, a friend had contacted me. This was a friend who, for the last three months, had not I had not really seen him. And it was weird. He was always there, always at parties at my house. We, I was always at his house. We were always hanging out. And then all of a sudden for the last three months, gone. I don't know what happened to him. I'm like, where is this guy? And then the next thing you know, he hits me up. He came to my restaurant where I worked with a friend of mine before he went to uh, a church service on a Sunday night after going to a church service in the morning. And I knew he was going to church, but I didn't think much of it. I thought he's still the same guy. And... When I served him, you know, he didn't think much of it. We talked and he said, hey, man, I'll hit you up this week. I said, cool. Couldn't really talk to him at my work to figure out what he's up to. But he ended up hitting me up and said, uh, 
hey, I'm going to go see this movie. I'm in film school right now, and I would love if I could share this movie with you, and we'll go to a screening that they're doing for it. I said, okay. And the movie was called Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed. And when I went to that movie, something really interesting happened. I didn't convert to Christ or anything like that. But in short summary, when it came to the movie, it made me question all of the appeals uh, to authority that I was making as a somewhat newly found atheist. I figured I didn't have the answers, but guys like Harris and Dawkins and Dennett or Hitchens or somebody will have the answer. Maybe Michael Ruse, who's featured on the film as well. And I thought, I don't have the answers to the origins of life, but maybe these guys do. But the problem was, is I walked out of that theater, not in fear of the Lord, but in fear of, well, who on earth has the answer? We see paintings, we figure there's a painter. We see buildings, we figure there's a builder. We see a universe, we would typically think there's a creator. And I thought, I don't have the answer for that, but surely Richard, Richard Dawkins will, uh, only to have him espouse what's called panspermia, which was basically hopefully some aliens or maybe some aliens plop down a pod with Darwinian evolution that allowed for all of the energy, all of the source material, all of the everything that would pop out and where I am today with consciousness and so forth. What do you think is the possibility that there, that intelligent design might turn out to be uh, the answer to some issues in uh, genetics or in Darwinian well, evolution? It could come about in the following way. It could be that uh, at some earlier time, somewhere in the universe, a civilization evolved by probably some kind of Darwinian means to a very, very high level of technology and designed a form of life that they seeded onto perhaps this, this planet. Um, now, th that is a possibility and an intriguing possibility. Mm. And I left that theater in desperation of, well, what on earth? If they don't have the answer, how am I supposed to have the answer? And so I didn't convert to Christ that night, but I was now, I guess you could say, doubting my newfound atheism. And truly, at that time, beyond a shadow of a doubt, because it was a faith that I had in not just atheism, but in professors, teachers uh, that were atheists, to be able to explain to me these simple, simple questions that I might have. And I lost that faith that night. I didn't put my faith in something else yet, but I had lost the faith that I had that I had started growing in since the time of converting to atheism at a church. And then it was not long after that, I, you know, the same friend ghosts me again, so to speak, and I don't see him for a long time. And I'm like, what's going on? He would visit me sometime in work with a couple of buddies and they would go uh, to their church. But I'm like, man, what is wrong with this guy? I have girls at my house all the night, all the every night. Like I have alcohol, I got all this stuff. Why doesn't he want to be here? And then around the time of January of 2009, that same friend reached out to me again. He said, hey, I'm trying to get back in shape. Uh, would you like to go to the gym together? I said, sure, that'd be awesome. So before we went to the gym, I came over to his house and I basically finally got to ask him, what's going on, man? Like, I don't understand. Like, why are you not hanging out with me? Why do I only get these random stop bys at my work and... Like, what's going on? And he told me, he said, hey, I've been going to this new church. I really believe I've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And truth be told, I don't want to walk in the way that we were walking. I don't want to do the things that we were doing together. I, I don't want to walk that way. 
And it had been about six months of him having that distance. And I'm like, well, that's fine. That's cool. He's like, listen, I don't go to a church where you can just come and be sleeping with your girlfriend and no one's going to say anything and it's just going to be normative. He's like, no, they actually care. They love and they want people to be walking in the truth and actually following the commandments of Jesus Christ. And at the time I thought, well, that sounds horrible, but horribly respectable. I did recognize it is better than simply being a hypocrite and just saying you're a Christian and doing these things. And while I thought that's a little strong, maybe stop people from being gay, but you can't even sleep with your girlfriend. That sounds terrible. And he started asking me a few questions and we just started talking and he asked me a simple question. He said, you know, Chad, I'm, I'm worried about you and I'm just wondering, do you think you're going to go to heaven when you die? I was like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, of course. If there's a heaven, I'll go there. He said, oh, okay. He said, so you think you're a good enough person to go to heaven? I said, yeah, of course I'm a good enough person to go to heaven. And he said, okay. He's like, I want to give you a test to see, is it true? Do you really, are you really good enough to get to heaven? I said, okay, let's, let's do it. And he said, Chad, how many lies have you told in your whole life? <laughs> and I said, uh, I don't know, a lot. And he's like, what do you call someone who tells a lot of lies? And I said, well, I guess you call him a liar. He's like, okay, next question. He said, hey, Chad, have you uh, ever taken anything that didn't belong to you? Now, remind you, I already admitted to LimeWire here, okay? And all my stealing of music. But he said, have you ever taken anything that didn't belong to you? And I said, yeah, of course, you know. And he said, okay, what do you call someone who takes things that don't belong to you? And I said, uh, a stealer. <laughs> and he said, no, a thief. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, a thief. And he said, so you are? And I said, a thief. And... He said, no, you're a lying thief. I said, all right, all right. And then he said, okay, I just have one more question for you. He's like, these are only three of the 10 questions I was going to ask you, but I want to ask you this. He said, have you ever, you know, stubbed your toe or, you know, hit something and said, oh, my G-O-D. And I said, well, yeah, of, of course I have. And he said, oh, okay. And he said, well, you see, God has given you life and breath, the tongue to speak with, the mind to think of it, and the lungs to breathe with. He said, and when you are in pain or when you're upset, you use his name to show disgust. You don't say, oh, my Adolf Hitler. Oh, my Mussolini. Oh, Yosef Stalin. You don't do that. You go to the one who made you and then you show disgust and contempt using his name. It's very serious and it's called blasphemy. And he said, by your own admission, you're a lying, thieving blasphemer. He said, if you stood before God on the day of judgment and he judged you for those very commandments, use those commandments to judge you, would you be innocent or guilty? And I said, well, if that's what he judged me by, I would be guilty, I guess. He said, so would you go to heaven or hell? I said, well, if he's judged me by that, I guess I'd go to hell. And he said, okay. He's like, does that concern you? And I said, well, you know, it would, but I try to make excuses. I said, you know what, I, I, I'm not as bad as Hitler or I'm not as bad as this, this guy or that guy. He said that you don't get to be judged on the curve. You have to be judged on the cross, the perfection. And he said, do you know what God did for you so that you won't have to spend eternity in hell for ge just getting what you deserve for the crimes you committed? I said, no. He said, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, God became a man and died a horrible death on a horrible cross. And he did so because at the cross met the love and justice of God, the love of God that he provides for you a sacrifice, one who takes away the sins of the world, one 
who provides the payment of the penalty of your sins on your behalf while meeting the righteousness of God dead in the center. And I said, wow, that's that's pretty incredible. And he said, and do you know what you have to do? I said, no. He said, you need to look upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to turn from your life of sin and turn to Christ. So that when God sees you, he will see the words that Jesus cried out from the cross. That word was to telestai, paid in full. Your sins have been bought and paid for. You were paid for at the cross on Calvary's hill. Instead of seeing Chad Davidson gets what he deserves. They will see, God will see specifically, the Father will look at you and see his son Jesus Christ. He'll see bought and paid for. He is my child and you will enter into the joy set before you. He said, when are you going to do that? I was like, well, that sounds really good, but I don't know. And I did not give my life to Christ. I was not ready yet. I just needed a little bit more. And so we went to the gym and we went and lifted together. And while we were lifting, he struck up a conversation with someone there and they were talking about music. And for me at the time, I kind of was a funny, I guess you would say I was kind of an interesting guy because I dressed in Abercrombie and Fitch. Please forgive me uh, for my collars being up sometimes and uh, some of the outfits I wore, but I dressed in Abercrombie and Fitch, but all of the music that I listened to was like death metal. Um, not just death metal, but you know, a bunch of different genres of metal. And in fact, when it comes to a lot of these bands, I actually went and saw them in concert. I was front row after working my way through the mosh pit for my favorite band, a band that I had memorized every single lyric leading up to the time I got saved uh, to every album I could find. And that was the band Slipknot. That was my music. That was one of my gods. I absolutely listened to these things. I would sing songs like Heretic Anthem. If you're 555, I'm 666. I would sing songs like that. I would sing songs like Wait and Bleed, which was their first big hit where he talks about 3D blasphemy. I had to look up what blasphemy is. I would sing songs where he says contagion and I'm sitting at the side of Satan. I had to look at what contagion meant uh, and, and so forth. I mean, I was all over the place wanting to know this stuff and then saying, oh, it's not that big a deal, not realizing what I was ultimately getting into. So when I hear a conversation and someone talks about how the Beatles were satanic, I thought, well, that sounds like somebody who needs to be in a loony band to say something like that. Aren't they the ones who say all you need is love? Aren't they the ones that sing songs about Lucy in the sky with diamonds. And it wasn't long after that that he said, you know what, Chad, you may think we're crazy, but I'm going to give you a video. All right. I said, okay. So that night I went home after the gym. Uh, he had given me the video. I turned it on and had it on the background and I passed out. The next night I was at a going away party with someone who was going back to college. And as I'm sitting there and I'm drinking, I talk to a friend and I say, hey man, I'd love to watch this video with you. I'm not religious, but you're more religious than me. And I don't know, man, it's really interesting. Let's check it out. And the next night I went over to his house and the video that we turned on, on January 18th, 2009, was a video called They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll. And we turned on that video and I wasn't expecting for anything to be happen life-changing, certainly not. But I was expecting to find out some information. I thought it'd be kind of interesting and maybe I'll hear a few tunes that I like. <laughs> and as I'm watching that film, I just couldn't get around it after a while. I could not get away from the truth, the reality 
that we are not simply wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world in spiritual places. I realized very quickly as I am watching that video, as I'm watching The Doors and The Beatles, and I'm watching some of the more modern bands, and I'm seeing all of these bands in America, outside of America, in different continents, in different places, Rolling Stones, whatever it may be, I'm seeing the connectivity. I'm seeing the synergy that only makes sense if there is a spirit behind it, more so than just brainwaves moving through my head. The truth was, is when I heard these words, after being fully convinced, and I knew Satan's real, there is really a devil. There's no doubt about it. I can't get around it. There is real evil. It's not just my opinion and your opinion and subjective opinion about ethics, but there is a real evil entity. And he is moving along as the prince of the power of the air, moving along children of disobedience. And guess what? I was once one of them. I was being used by Satan over and over again. The Bible says to be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And he was devouring me and using me to devour others. And it was the words of Jesus Christ specifically in Matthew 12, 30, that made me get on my knees. I remember I had a tongue ring in and I took it out when I heard those words and they will echo to me forever. And it was in Matthew 12, 30 that Jesus said, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. But that idea, that idea of not making a choice is ultimately you making a choice against Christ. It was that not only that concept, but those words that brought salvation to me. I had a tongue ring in my tongue. I took that thing out. I got on my knees right there in front of my friend and I prayed. And then I drove to the beach. I said, I got to go. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going. This is the middle of the night. It's probably two, three in the morning, maybe four in the morning on January 19th, 2009. And I drive all the way to the beach, Zuma Beach here in Southern California. And on my way home, after praying for the first time, after having the Holy Spirit inside of me for the first time, on my way home, the sun is rising as it does on the east. But on the west side of Simi, as I'm coming back into my own hometown, is what's called Mount McCoy. And it's a giant cross at the top of the city, not far away from Blessed Hope Chapel. And as I drove and went home, I took a short nap and waited for the Bible bookstore to open. And then I went and I grabbed and bought a Bible as soon as the store opened. And I called my friend who gave me the video. I said, listen, man, I don't know who this is. I don't know who made this video, but I have to talk to them because I just gave my life to Christ. And I want to meet the person who made this video because I want to know who helped bring me to come to know Jesus. And he said, don't worry, that's my pastor. We'll meet him on Sunday. And then I remember specifically coming to Blessed Hope Chapel with my with all my friends, my friend I gave my life to Christ with, uh, his cousin, my friend who led me there. I remember sitting down and listening to the first message uh, as a new believer. And that first message was on the Lord's Prayer. And it was specifically on the first part of that prayer. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Make God's name holy in your life. And I remember sitting there and, and just being so excited about understanding God's word. And I had already read that part of the text. I was so excited. And then afterwards, I went to the pastor, which was Pastor Joe Schimmel. And I said, hey, I 
just have to. I have to tell you, I came to Christ through this video that you made. They sold their souls to rock and roll. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm here now. This is, this is it. I'm giving my life to Christ. And I remember at the time, uh, all the DVDs that Good Fight had. He piled them up. He handed them to me, and my friend, and then we started watching those videos every night. I, I took my cell phone. I deleted every number of people that I partied with, that I drank with, whatever it may be. And I said, I'm only going to answer the people that are my family or people that I came to Christ with or go to church. And that's exactly what I did. I took myself and removed myself from the lifestyle that I was living. And I began seeking Christ and I began being in fellowship. And it was not long after that, that Pastor Joe Schimmel said, hey, you should uh, come out when we're sharing the gospel. And he began discipling me, not only through the word of God that I was getting on Wednesdays and Sundays, but also through going out and sharing the gospel. And that was really what ultimately microwaved my faith. It was the very thing that when I look back, that changed my walk with Christ to go from the salvation that came through the words of Jesus Christ from Matthew 12, 30, to now being discipled by Pastor Joe in how to share the gospel and share my faith. And that was such an amazing time for me to grow in Christ. And so I began going out on a regular basis. I ended up meeting a number of people my age that were now in Christ. And now those people that were churchgoers their whole life or whatever it may be, they became my best friends and they became my brothers and sisters in Christ. And it was out there on Third Street Promenade that I saw a beautiful, beautiful young lady. And I remember thinking in my own head and my own heart, I've been such a dirtbag. There's no reason that God would ever provide for me a, a bride. And I'm totally fine with being single and serving Christ in this manner. I'm totally fine with it. But I remember seeing the beauty of this woman and specifically while she was sharing the gospel with a young Jewish man, she was sharing the gospel through Isaiah 53 using only the Old Testament. And I thought, wow, that girl knows the word. And I was immediately attracted to her, not simply because she was beautiful, because she certainly was, but because of her wisdom in the scriptures. And I fell in love with her, but just as a friend ultimately, until eventually after some much needed sanctification as a believer, I eventually, after over almost two years of friendship, I eventually sat down to her, with her father and asked if I could court her. And then uh, about 10 months later uh, in Africa, I asked her to marry me on a mission trip with a team out there. And we got married. And that girl's name before August 14th, 2012, that girl's name was Holly Schimmel. Pastor Joe Schimmel's daughter. And nine months and five days from our wedding day, my firstborn son, Eleazar, who we call Eli, Eleazar Chad Davidson was born. And I've been blessed enough now to not only serve here at the fellowship at Blessed Hope Chapel, but also at Good Fight Ministries. And the reason why I wanted to tell this story and give you guys my testimony is because one, I wanna show the dangers of somebody going to church living a lukewarm lifestyle, not following Christ and being a terrible example and where it could lead people. But I also wanted to share with you that you can now watch this very video that was a life giver that God used to bring me to Christ. We have it available for you for free. You can buy videos and so forth that you might be able to hand out and, and, and everything you need. But ultimately right now you can watch the very video that brought life into me. like. 
It was the video that made me take my eyes off the world, my heart on the world, and turn it completely towards Christ. And so I want to encourage you guys with that. I would love for you guys to check it out. We'll put a link here in the description so you guys can check it out for free. And hopefully it blesses you. And make sure you share it. Because if God could use this to save me, then he can use it to save anybody. Thank you guys so much for joining us. This has been Chad Davidson. This is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.